Class is back in session. I'm your host, Coach Dwayne, just a regular teacher with a sports mind here for another episode of the Sports School Podcast, where I'm just going to be here. I'm going to hand out grades. I'm going to talk about a variation of sports. Um, like I said, 46th episode. We did the 45th episode last week. Um, had a lot of positive feedback to that. Uh, we talked about the user mock draft that I was a part of where I represented the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, if you didn't hear that, go back, listen to episode 45. That one was pretty awesome. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now YouTube. And now YouTube. So please share um, if you're on YouTube. If you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, you know, share the link out. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, please share it with your friends. Um, but yeah, just another another day. We're on spring break. I made it. I made it. I know it's hard out there for a lot of teachers, um, especially this year. Coming off of COVID, this year has been a little different. Um, trying to deal with some, some learning loss, some things that happen. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. We're dealing with the pandemic. The students are trying to, to catch up. So, tough year. Tough year. A little different type of year. But we made it. We made it to spring break. We're going forward. We're moving on towards the end of the year here. And I am looking forward to see what my students are able to do and showcase uh, on these end-of-the-year reports um, and tests. Um, because they can do. They have done. Fully confident in those guys. But as for this sports podcast, we got a lot that I'm going to talk about today. A lot of different stuff. We're going to talk a little bit of college, uh, both basketball and football. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA play-in, as it's not technically the playoffs. So NBA play-in tournament. Uh, and then some some NFL offseason. So bouncing around all over the place. At the moment, the Braves just won. Ian Anderson with a beautiful game, a great bounce back game. He pitched absolutely horribly against the Cincinnati Reds, which is good for the Braves. Good for the Braves to see Anderson have a good start, especially after Kyle Wright had his second straight dominant start um, after Max Freed has not looked good in his first two starts of the year. So hopefully Braves are able to pick it up. But this is not a podcast about the Braves. This is not a podcast about the Atlanta Braves. Some of you... Maybe wondering why is there a teacher doing a, a, a sports podcast? Um, well, one, it started off because the Marlin versus Marlin podcast. If you haven't listened to those guys, check them out. They had me on as a guest. I had a great time. I was like, I was talking to those guys. Those guys were like, hey, you should look into trying to start your own. You have a lot of uh, sports knowledge. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I do have a lot of sports knowledge. And then I started looking at some of the wrong answers my kids give me on various assessments or assignments or whatnot. And that's when I realized maybe I need to just be teaching in the sports realm because somewhere there is a disconnect in what I am trying to teach in the regular schooling world. For example, I'm teaching 1920s. Any other questions about the 1920s? Kid raises his hand. Was racism... Uh, a thing after the 1920s. Mind you, 
in their ELA class, we they talk about the civil rights movement. Talk about the civil rights movement in their language arts classes. So that may not be my class, but pretty sure you should be able to know that 1960 is after 1920. Um, not only that, I don't know where they've been the last years of their lives. If they've paid any attention at all. But yes, racism is still a thing. Apparently, I did not get that point across well enough while I was teaching the 1920s. But that being said, let's jump into this grade segment. We're going to jump into this grade segment. Our A on this goes to a guy who I've, I've had some doubts about. I've had some questions about. I've, I've wondered, is he the right man for certain jobs, etc.? John Shire, guy who's going to follow Coach K at at Duke. He gets an A. Because I don't know what this guy does. But the man can recruit. The man can absolutely recruit. Let's start with 2022. Let's start with the 2022 class. These are guys that will be freshmen next year playing for John Shire. Now, none of them have transferred. It would be interesting to see how much of a role Nolan Smith played in the recruiting of these guys. He's now an assistant at Louisville. Um, or if they stay. But, in the 2022 class, John Shire currently has four five-star recruits. Four five-star recruits, including the, including the number one overall recruit in Derek Lively, the second out of uh, Norristown, PA. 7-1, 220-pound center. He then has... The number three overall recruit, number two in his position, because number one in his position is Derek Lively the second. A 6'11", 230-pound Kyle Filipowski. Then he's got a 6'6", 190-pound small forward, number five in the nation, Derek Whitehead. And a 6'8", 205-pound power forward, number 13 in the nation, Mark Mitchell. These are guys from all over the country. All over the country. You got PA, you got MA, you got Florida, Kansas, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Florida, Kansas. Then he's got a four-star shooting guard, uh, 6'5", 180 pounds, probably going to need to bulk up in Jaden Schultz from Illinois. And then, icing on the cake, again, he's already got two dominant centers, two big-time centers, 7'1", 6'11". He also has a three-star center from Oak Hill Academy in Virginia who is also seven foot one in Christian Reeves. The man is recruiting out of his mind. But, but on top of that, if you look at his 2023 class, Current juniors, there are nine, nine five-star players in the 2023 class that have already committed. Nine of them, overall. Five of them have committed to Duke already. And John Shire. Mbako, the is the latest. Mackenzie Mbako um, committed on Friday to the Blue Devils. 
um, along with the night before, uh, Tyrese Proctor uh, from Australia committed to Duke. Um, Mbako is a 6'8 small forward. Um, he averaged 16, 4, and 4. Um, he's known as a spot-up shooter, a guy that can finish, um, is dominant in transition, can elevate. Um, but joining those two, Sean Stewart, who's number 13 overall in the class, Caleb Foster, number 19 overall in the class, Jared McLean, number 22 overall in the class. Again, all five of them, five-star recruits. I don't know what John Shire's doing, but he's getting these young guys, and he's getting these young guys, and he's getting these young guys, and I was curious if these young guys were committing to Duke to play for Coach K, and then Coach K leaves, and are they going to decommit from Duke? Looks like that is not the case, and in fact, the 2023 guys are signing on clearly and understandably knowing that they are going to play with John Shire. Now, is I don't know if this is because John Shire has decided to put a greater emphasis into recruiting the young guys um, and, and is focusing less on the transfer portal, whereas a lot of schools are focusing on the transfer portal right now. I don't know if it's Shire's focusing on the younger guys going into these high school circuits and getting these high schoolers, these younger guys, these big-time recruits, potential one-and-dones to come and play for him, embracing this one-and-done um, idea similar to that of a, a John Calipari. Um, but John Shire gets an A. I, I don't know if John Shire was the right guy for the job. Again, I thought Tommy Amaker should have been the guy to follow Coach K. Duke. Um, we saw John Shire in, in spots this season, and he didn't look great as a head coach. But recruiting-wise, the man seems to know what he's doing. He's getting big-time recruits to come to play for a big-time program in Duke. It will be interesting to see if Shire is able to be the guy that follows the guy in a way that Hubert Davis was in taking the Tar Heels to the National Championship game. So it should be interesting for the, uh, the Carolina-Duke kind of rivalry because Hubert Davis, on the recruiting end, not close. He's not recruiting nearly on the level that John Shire is. And I, I talked about this. I, I've, I've talked to my friends who cheer for the University of North Carolina. He doesn't play his young guys. Young guys today want to step in. They want to play immediately. And if they're not playing immediately, that is a problem. They're, they're not going to want to stay and deal with that and put up with potentially not starting. This isn't, this isn't when, like when Hubert Davis played where guys were willing to sit and wait for an opportunity to play. No, they, they're not. They want to step in. They want to play um, instantly. The B on this edition of Sports School goes to a guy that I've talked about before um, and I've told y'all to put some money on. Listen, I understand that Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy last year as a sophomore. As a result, he's the favorite to win the Heisman again, along with C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. I get that. I understand that. Now, the reason this gets a B is because it's the spring game, but it is the Alabama spring game. There is talent all over the place in Tuscaloosa. Jameer Gibbs, Georgia Tech 
transfer, now Alabama running back, in the spring game, had a 75-yard touchdown run. Now, I've talked about it previously on this podcast. Six games in a row last year on a very bad Georgia Tech team. He had touchdowns over 50 yards, receiving, rushing, and punt returns. The man now is going from a Georgia Tech team where he was the the only guy you needed to focus on, especially while Jess Sims was injured. So an Alabama team where you have former or, or last year's reigning defending Heisman Trophy winner and Bryce Young at quarterback, you have dominant wide receivers, including Georgia, the University of Georgia's leader in receptions the past two seasons in Jermaine Burton. I'm telling you, it's it was the last I checked, it was plus one thousand for Jameer Gibbs to to win the Heisman Trophy. Bet a hundred dollars, win a thousand. I'm calling it now. Again, Jameer Gibbs is going to win the Heisman Trophy. He's going. Uh, Walker was a Kenneth Walker was a, a finalist um, all the way through, building up, building up, building up. Listen. Jameer Gibbs is going to put up big-time numbers rushing. He's going to put up big-time numbers receiving. And if Nick Saban has this dude play on special teams, he's putting up big-time numbers um, in the special teams department as well. Look for this guy to contribute all over the field. And as a result, he will win the Heisman Trophy. Saban saying of uh, Jameer Gibbs' performance in the spring game. Fast is fast. He gives us something at the running back position. Uh, he's really good at pressing the holes. He has a great burst to get top speed quickly. He's a very good running back. He's a very good receiver. Very good third down back. So overall, a very good addition. Jameer Gibbs did this in a rainy uh, contest at he put up these big-time numbers in the spring game, even though Alabama was working with a running clock, trying to avoid severe weather that was coming in. So, I'm telling you now, Jameer Gibbs is going to win the Heisman Trophy. He gets a B because it's just a spring game, but it's still Alabama. And if you go back and you see videos from the spring game, he looks like the best player on the field which in Tuscaloosa is a big deal. There's not a lot of guys that make the Alabama defense look slow. Jameer Gibbs made the Alabama defense look slow. If you didn't know Jameer Gibbs' name, you will after next year. The guy is just that good. The C on this edition of Sports School goes to the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, I like the play-in tournament. I understand that there are not, I, I may be in the minority, there's not a lot of guys who do. I enjoy the play-in tournament, and it's not just because it's the only reason the Hawks are in the playoffs. But, 
the New Orleans Pelicans, via play-in tournament, have played their way into the playoffs. They beat the Clippers last night behind Brandon Ingram's 30 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Huge game. Huge game for B.I. C.J. McCollum played well in the first game. And, And my, again, probably one of my favorite Georgia Tech players, Jose Alvarado, is locked down on the defensive end of the floor. Now... I understand the Clippers played without Paul George, without Kawhi Leonard. I understand that. I'm not saying that the Pelicans are going to win it all. But the Pelicans took advantage of the play-in tournament. A team with a losing record went in, did what they had to do, and now they are in the tournament. They are in the playoffs. And they got a chance. They got a chance now. You have to make it to the dance to have an opportunity to dance. They're there. I don't think they're getting out of the first round. But I do think this Pelicans team is fun to watch. The reason they get a C is because they're like, eh, they're going to lose in the first round, more than likely. They may win a game. But also, the interesting thing about the New Orleans Pelicans is, is if Zion Williamson comes back, From a talent perspective, I understand that the Pelicans would be a better team, talent-wise. But team and chemistry-wise, will the New Orleans Pelicans be a better team? This team plays well together. They move the ball. They share the ball. Everybody has a role. Everybody plays their role. Nobody plays outside of their role when you're... Watching this team play, everyone seems to know what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing it, and they don't seem to play outside of themselves, which you see happen often in a lot of these games. Brandon Ingram is that guy. CJ McCollum was brought in to be that guy, and those two play well off of each other. Last night's game, 30 points for Ingram, 19 for McCollum. Off the bench, Murphy has 14. Nance Jr. has 14. Be interesting to see what they do with these guards. They brought in Devontae Graham, Alvarado, undrafted free agent. He seems to have usurped Devontae Graham uh, in that rotation. Maybe it's just because defensively it's the things he can do on the defensive side of the floor. Larry Nance Jr. had 16 rebounds as well, by the way. Seven of them on the offensive side. They still have Jackson Hayes. They have a defensive guy in Herb Jones. This team is just fun to watch. They're fun to watch. I, but again, I'm, I'm genuinely curious if the Pelicans are going to be better if Zion comes back. Because if Zion comes back, you're, you're probably taking minutes from a combination of Valanciunas and Jackson Hayes. Both of which are guys that, in their role, play very well. You're taking shots from Brandon Ingram. You're taking driving lanes away from C.J. McCollum. You know, what is what is Larry Nance's numbers coming off the bench go down? Again, he had double-double last night, 14 points, 16 rebounds. 
in 24 minutes. Is Nick Marshall, does his minutes, do his minutes just completely go away? It's going to be interesting. I think this team has gelled. I think this team has an identity. Without Zion, I think defensively they will, they're not going to be as good with, with Zion on the floor. Zion is going to take shots from these other guys. Zion is going to clog the middle because he could have worked on his three-point shot all he wants. He's not a good three-point shooter. At least he hasn't proven that yet. So teams are going, to, are going to take away what he wants to do, which is dominate the paint. He's he's smaller. He seems to be slower on the defensive end of the floor. These more athletic bigs are going to take advantage of that. Not that, not that Zion's not athletic. Zion plays above the rim. But I'm talking about quickness, lateral quickness, ability to guard bigs that can put the ball on the floor. I don't know if the Pelicans are a better team. I'm curious if the Pelicans look to shop Zion. Now, I don't know if Zion wants to be there. Zion is too hurt to play, but he's he's put out videos and there's pregame, he's making 360 dunks and then limping right after. It's almost like he caught himself. Oh no, I'm not supposed to be able to do that right now. Do you want to play? Don't you want to play? What is it? Because it feels like he doesn't want to play. And if he doesn't want to play, then I think you trade him. There's lots of teams out there that would trade for Brandon Ingram. I'm sorry, not Brandon Ingram. A lot of teams out there would trade for Zion Williams. And you could probably get a lot for him. With the Knicks, the Knicks would probably give a whole lot to pair outside of R.J. Barrett to pair Barrett and Ingram or Barrett and Zion back together. Portland. He made a deal with Portland already. I don't know what Portland has as far as assets because uh, they don't need guards. The team you just beat in the Clippers. The Pacers. The Pacers have a lot of young guys. They need. Could you go? In, could you potentially get a, a Halliburton who'd come in? He's a bigger guard that could play alongside McCollum. Halliburton could play the point. McCollum could go back to playing the two, similar to what he did in Portland. Miami has some young guys. He went to Duke. Does he want to play for the Hornets? Does he want to play for Michael Jordan? The team Michael Jordan owns. They have some young guys that you could send back. Shoot, the Hawks. And I personally don't know if I... He's a better version of John Collins. I think you just keep John Collins. If you're gonna, if the Hawks are trading for, for Zion, you, you just keep... You keep John Collins there, but they have young guys that they could trade. The Orlando Magic have young guys that they could trade. A lot of them. Denver. Oklahoma City. Do they finally want to go all in? The Phoenix Suns. Dallas, if they could find a way to pair Luka and Zion together. I think that one's highly, is very unlikely. And Pelicans probably don't want them in their division. But still, you get the point. There's a lot of teams out there that would be willing to trade for Zion. I don't know if Zion is going to make them better. I just don't know. I'm just unsure. The D. The D grade on this epidition. Ep- episode and addition 
of sports school is going to go to the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay needed a wide receiver. They did. They put out a press release. Green Bay signs a wide receiver. Green Bay signs a wide receiver. It's Sammy Watkins. This is probably not what Aaron Rodgers was thinking when he wanted the Packers to go and get a wide receiver. Packers needed to go and get a wide receiver. Sammy Watkins was probably not the guy that he had in mind. But they go, they sign Sammy Watkins. If Sammy Watkins is your number one, I, I think you have a problem. You have you have a very, very serious problem. Right now, Right now, they're going to be marching out a some sort of combination of Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb. Because you can't trust the Green Bay Packers to draft a wide receiver. That's one of those things you just wait and see if it happens and then you're shocked. I mean, is Aaron, Aaron John... If you play in a PPR league, PPR fantasy football, Aaron Jones is a guy to have. Because somebody has to catch passes. Looks like Aaron Jones might be that guy. I, I, Green Bay needs to draft a wide receiver. I think Green Bay fans should go absolutely ballistic if they don't draft a wide receiver. I just don't think they will. Brian Gutekis... It's just anti-drafting wide receivers. The year they drafted Jordan Love, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, both on the board. They trade back up. I, as a non-Green Bay fan, thought it was for a wide receiver. They needed someone to pair with Devontae Adams. Nope, backup quarterback. Which was shocking in its own. But then... Later on in the draft. Still need somebody to pair up with Devontae Adams. Third running back. Because you remember at that time they had Williams. Draft their third running back. Okay. Later on in that draft. Still need a wide receiver. Back up tight end. That Even the draft analysts were stumped on who is this guy. If Mel Kuyper doesn't know the person that you just drafted, you drafted a nobody. And this is no offense to DeGaro. Uh, None at all. Congratulations to him. Go get your bag. I understand that. Green Bay needed a wide receiver. Odell Beckham Jr. is out there. I understand coming off the ACL. They need a bona fide number one. Devontae Adams is gone. He's not coming back. Odell Beckham Jr. was there. They didn't go get that guy. Shoot, there were older veterans who you can trust more than Sammy Watkins. Julio Jones, later part of his career, 
shouldn't be dependent on as a number one, but you know what? Probably can trust him more than you can trust Sammy Watkins. A.J. Green with the Cardinals last year put up solid numbers. Should he be a number one at this point in his career? Probably not, but you can trust him more than Sammy Watkins. Brandon Cooks probably could have been had. Trade for Brandon Cooks. Has Devontae Parker been the most reliable wide receiver while he's in Miami? No, but he played for Miami. So there's your excuse. You could have had Devontae Parker. No. No, you go and you get Sammy Watkins, who, from a talent standpoint, at Clemson, the man was dominant. I, everywhere he's gone, I've been like, that's that's it. It's going to work. This is going to work. This is the guy. This is going to work. This is going to work. This is going to work. No. I've been wrong every time. San Francisco 49ers are apparently looking into trading Debo Samuel. That guy. Go get that guy. Hey, here's an idea. The Kansas City Chiefs were trading Tyreek Hill. What is Aaron Rodgers really, really good at? Throwing the deep ball. What is Tyreek Hill really, really good at? Catching the deep ball. Maybe go get that guy. But no. No. Doesn't doesn't work out. Doesn't go that way. I just I I, I don't understand what Green Bay is doing. You let Devontae Adams go and there's like no clear indication of what the plan is now. The F. The F on this edition of Sports School. Baker Mayfield, you get an F. Baker Mayfield claims that he he feels disrespected by the Cleveland Browns. You know what? The Cleveland Browns feel disrespected by your play. Now, I think Mayfield has a whole lot of talent. I think Mayfield is a good quarterback. I think Mayfield deserves benefit of the doubt for last year playing with that injured shoulder. He's not better than Deshaun Watson. But Mayfield, understanding that Deshaun Watson is more than likely going to face some sort of suspension, should just kept his mouth shut. His contract for this year is fully guaranteed. Kept his mouth shut, went in, competed, and if Deshaun is is suspended, started for the Cleveland Browns. Play on this last year of your deal and shoot for free agency next year. Running your mouth is not going to do anything to help you. Somebody has to play for the Browns if Deshaun Watson is suspended. Which I thoroughly believe is going to happen. Mayfield led the Browns to their first playoff win in 26 years. 2020. But then last season, torn labrum. It's a non-throwing shoulder. He plays through it. I understand that. Probably still hurt. But again, 
you didn't play well. You didn't play well at the most important position on the football field. The Browns went and got a guy who is better than you. But knowing that and understanding that, if, if Mayfield would sit back and pay attention to the situation, it is not likely that Watson's going to play every game next season. It is very slim to none odds that he plays every game next year. Because he's more than likely going to get suspended. Shut your mouth. Play in those games. Build back up your trade value. Build back up your trade value. There are teams that need quarterbacks. But running your mouth and, and throwing the team under the bus, that's not a guy that teams want to bring in. That's not a guy that teams are looking like, oh, yeah, let's go get that guy. No. No. That is not how that works. So, Baker Mayfield, you get an F. You can't throw the team under the bus like that. It's just not a good look. It's not a good look. Now, last week, last week I, I talked and I discussed the, the user mock draft that I was in. This week... I am looking to bring in the guy who was the, the brainchild behind the, the user mock draft. His name is Brandon. He's the president of the Davis Mills fan club. He is David Mills' biggest fan. Um, his Twitter name is Mills Mafia. So that should just tell you everything you need to know. Brandon, welcome to the Sports Pool Podcast. Thanks for coming on. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. So, first things first, before we, we talk the user mock, the mock, how the mock draft went, um, and then your Houston Texans in general, how did you come up with this idea, the, the, the mock draft idea, the user mock draft idea? How did that, did it just come to you, like, in the middle of the night, or, or how did that work out? Um, well, between me and, um, my guy Connor, who was also a part of it, um, we we do we talk a lot about you know Texans Browns, just NFL in general at work, and um, uh, when the draft came around, I was very excited, obviously, because you know the Texans got a couple picks and whatnot, so I was doing mock drafts here and there, and we were kind of doing mock drafts together, and you know you see Kuiper and um, Nick Shea joint mock drafts and I was like thinking to myself why can't we just do this with a whole bunch of people fantasy style you know I mean you got fantasy drafts for your fantasy leagues and all kinds of stuff I mean why not just do a fantasy a mock draft with a bunch of fans I mean it, that sounds pretty awesome I mean it was a little tough to put together I know we had some scheduling hiccups and you know all that but um, I think it turned out great man. I'm definitely looking forward to uh probably doing another one um before the draft begins maybe that you know friday before the draft or you know monday or something i think i think if we do another one it'd be pretty awesome oh yeah it was it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun even for me and i, t I talked about it on my episode last week i'm a falcons fan who drafted for the eagles and it was still a ton of fun for me so um very yeah. 
very interesting. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right in and the what was the day? I asked this of the the two guys I had on last week, the the guys who represented the two New York teams. Mm-hmm. What was different about the user mock draft versus just if you go on Pro Football Focus or mock draft simulator of your choice and run a mock draft versus the algorithm? What was the difference of having what I think it was eight or nine of just eight or nine of us in there, uh, along with the algorithm for the other unclaimed teams? Um, well, when you do it against a computer, usually everybody, PFF or the Draft Network, or um, I think those are probably the two most popular right now, but those two, um, they got their own rankings and whatnot, and they rank the teams for, you know, their needs and all that stuff. So it's kind of easy to do a mock draft and know who's going to be there for your team most of the time. Um, and so you can play around with it and whatnot, but... When you're going up against other people, um, there's a combination of, you know, that fan in them that wants this guy or um, they have a level of knowledge that another user might not have um, about players and whatnot. So I, I know we're not all, you know, scouts or anything like that. I mean, we try to – I try to um, – do a little bit of research so I could at least, you know, talk about most of the players and you hear and see all the reports and you kind of can uh, regurgitate some of that information um, in some sense. But going up against other people is uh, crazy. Like the, the three, well, Aiden Hutchinson was computer-based, but Thibodeau going at two um, from Tom to the Lions uh, kind of shocked me. I, I didn't know that, you know, they – that people were actually in on Thibodeau at two for the Lions. So um, it kind of made my life a little tricky already at number three. So, yeah. So that was the, so for me, again, I was watching what the Falcons user did um, while as a Falcons fan, while also watching how it was going to, to draft for the Eagles. And when you took Trayvon Walker at three, I was like, wow, this is something I have not seen, again, drafting against the algorithm where it's edge, edge, edge at the top of the board. Like something always seems, whether it's Kyle Hamilton or Detroit in the algorithm takes Malik Willis or Jacksonville goes offensive tackle versus Hutchinson. Um, It was very odd. But what made you – so hypothetically, let's say it's Jacksonville um, and Detroit take those guys, Hutchinson, Thibodeau. If Houston's at three, would you want the Texans to take Trayvon Walker, or was that a we weren't allowed to um, trade down, so <laughs> you had to pick somebody I, at three type of move? So all my friends that do mock drafts and whatnot, or the guys that I see on Twitter that do mock drafts um, on PFF, they're always trading back, and I don't get it. Um, we have I. I'm, you want to get more picks, get more players, you know, but I, I wouldn't like to trade down at three um, unless you could, you know, get to maybe uh, five or six or maybe even the Giants give up seven. I don't want to trade down too far because then you're losing out on some of that top 10 talent. Um, 
So with Hutchinson and Thibodeau going two, um, you know, I thought that Trayvon Walker was a good pick there um, because we need an edge, another edge defender. Houston um, needs everything. Yeah, I mean, well, we need everything, but um, so with Lovey Smith, so don't feel bad. <laughs> with with Lovey Smith, yeah, with Lovey Smith, it all starts up front. Um, and right now, I mean, we got Jonathan Grenard, and you know, he showed um, some pro- a lot of progress actually last year. So, but I, I still think we need that guy. Um, I will say this though, if I could, what I've been hearing now or what I've been seeing now. Um, with the, if we do another mock draft, I probably won't be going Trayvon Walker at three. Um, I think I have my eye on, you know, another prospect at three that I I wouldn't be mad if the Texans got. I'm not going to be mad if, you know, only only player I think I might be mad that they take at, like, three would be, like... Quarterback, because uh, you're David Mills' biggest fan. Yeah, obviously, quarterback. We don't need quarterback. Who, who needs a quarterback when you got David Mills? Um, <laughs> But I, I think I'd probably be a little, a little, you know, confused if they took like Jermaine Johnson or a wide receiver. If they went anything other than edge tackle or corner at three, um, I'd probably be a little bit upset. Um, so I guess that's a little bit of info on my next mock draft. It might be a tackle or a corner. It's I'm at that pick, but it's interesting that you that you brought up wide receiver because I prior to calling you in was talking I talked about Green Bay and I said I was making fun of the fact that Green Bay put out this press release we signed a wide receiver and it ended up being Sammy Watkins it was very anticlimactic mm-hmm. um, but I had mentioned um, up until I believe it was last week it felt like Brandon Cooks could have been traded for um Houston obviously um, gave him his contract extension, but if a team pre that's pre, obviously it's not going to happen now. You gave him the extension, but pre-extension, if they had given an early round, like a day two pick, round two, round three for Brandon Cooks, as a Texans fan, are you willing? Would you take it? Or are you excited to have Brandon Cooks back on back on the team as your wide receiver one? Yeah, I'm excited to have Brandon Cooks back. He's a what they like to call a culture fit, and with um, Nick Casario being there now, um, nothing leaks. So I don't know where the media was getting um, the whole Brandon Cooks. It was all speculation, obviously, um, but he's been a big help. Obviously, he's a veteran. He's He's so underrated. I don't know how he's why he's bounced around so much. I mean, the work that he's in production that he's been putting up the past like four or five years have been crazy. Um, I mean, we traded, you know, we traded a hundred Hopkins or whatever for nothing, but we ended up getting Brandon the, Cooks that the Bill O'Brien. Yeah, we ended up getting Brandon Cooks and. If you compare um, Brandon Cooks and DeAndre Hopkins' numbers the past two years, they're identical in almost every sense. So would you rather pay a wide receiver, you know, the 13 mil that he was going to get paid, or would you rather pay a wide receiver almost 25, 30 mil 
you know, if you're going to get the same production. Um, so that's why he got a new contract because he is productive. But I'm, I'm glad to have him back. Um, I don't think he was ever going to get traded. Um, I, I wouldn't have hated like a second round pick. Um, I just think that we got all the picks we need right now. Uh, Casario showed that even with only a third round selection and beyond that he can, you know, draft pretty well. Um, I like all the rookies we had last year. So we just need the talent. I mean, point blank period. I don't want to bring in a second round pick when you have a productive veteran wide receiver that can help more than a rookie could. Right. You know, in every sense, he's not going to go in and, you know, help the wide receiver room or help the quarterback or, you know, just help the team overall. He's a leader. He's, he is probably uh, the second like leader on the team. I would say Davis Mills probably will step into that role even better next next season. But um, I think Brandon Cooks, since he's been here, has been a, been a great help. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I want to keep him around. Gotcha. Plus, he said he's, he's not getting traded no more. So. <laughs> Who, um, from a Texan, like, you can answer this from the Texans' perspective or just in your own personal perspective. Who's your favorite prospect in this draft if you had to say right now this guy will be the best player in this draft regardless of position um, who who is that guy regardless of positions yeah for me it's sauce um, gardner um i can just go ahead and tell you right now i talked about it last week i think that dude's a stud um i think yeah, he showed I it think, against bama um i think sauce gardner is going to lock down one side of the I, field but who would you say? Yeah, I, I think, well, going back to Sauce, I think Sauce could be one of the best um, in the class. But um, corner is a hard position for rookies. I mean, I don't think a whole lot of rookie corners come in and just dominate like that. Um, he could be one of those ones, though. Um, but if I had to say, are we talking about best rookie or, like, just – best when it's all said and done give me both because is your answer different in that scenario um, or is it the same player um no i think best rookie um to make like an immediate impact would probably i don't know my answer might be the both for same like i might have the same player for both now i think about it i think about the most impactful rookie will be uh uh Icky from NC State, um, just because he's so strong. If you put him at guard, he's um, just gonna bully people. Um, he's projected to be a tackle. I think he'd probably be better off as a guard, and I could see him um, turning into. Well, I'm having a brain fart. Uh, the Colts guard. What's his name? Quentin Nelson. Uh, Quentin Nelson. Yes. I, I think he could turn into Quentin Nelson easily year two um, if you just leave him at guard. So um, that would have to be my guess. I'm looking at the draft right now. Um, it's so hard to say because this draft, like, there's not a giant separation in talent, I don't think, um, from, like, one to, like, where people might have like the 25th best player ranked um it might 
like in recent drafts, you, you know what I mean? Right. Because um, people have players all over the board, and it's there's no consistent board where you know these top five, these top seven guys will go top five or top seven. So it's kind of hard. That's a hard question to answer. Um, you can make a case for pretty much anybody. I think it would be more fun to – you know, look at who's going to be the best edge or who's going to be the best corner or who's going to be the best tackle. Because those are, the, like, some of the, the deeper ones, well, you uh, took, deeper you, positions, or even wide receiver. I think wide receivers. So, I think wide receivers the deepest position in this draft. Yeah, By for far. sure. Um, I think top talent-wise, though, it's got to be edge and tackle. And See, then I just think... overall, it's it's wide receiver. For sure. I mean, because if you look at all the edges and tackles, there's going to be at least like five, um, I'd say at least like, if I had to put an overall under on it, I'd say 10 and a half would be the line for edges and tackles to go in the first round. And I might take the over for that. Well, here's here's my here's my thinking about that, and I think I talked about this in the Twitter space when we were doing the draft. Mm-hmm. If you split these, if you split those position groups into tiers, I think tier one edge rushers. You're looking at Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Walker. Tier two, I think you have Jermaine Johnson and maybe Carl Loftus. but that drop off between tier one and tier two, I think, is more significant then the drop off in wide receivers between tier 1 and tier 2 and then your tier 3 edge rushers i think there's a huge drop off i think the same thing for tackles i think if you don't get either evan neal icky or charles cross like i think the team that ends up with um what's my man trevor pinning like you got a tier 2 tackle like i don't think he's on the same level as cross near um, icky, but yeah, then he might not have like the he might not have like the skills or anything right now. But he has the dog in him, and he's athletic enough to <clears throat> be molded or maybe be put into uh, the tier one. I would say Charles Cross is like because he's so one dimensional. Like he's just a pass protector. Icky and Evan Neal are versatile. They can pass protect. You can move them both inside. You can move them all across the line. Charles Cross is your bona fide left tackle, maybe right tackle, and all he's going to do for you is pass protect. Yeah, you can probably teach him how to run block, but, I mean, that's going to come with time. So um, <clears throat> I get what you're saying, uh, Trevor Penning being in Tier 2. Um Cut you off, but, but there's there's just there you go. but what I'm saying is is there's just a like the like <clears throat> the 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 gap between tier one at edge and tier one at tackle and then looking at okay. tier three in those groups I think there's a bigger gap than if you're looking at tier one wide receivers and like tier three wide receivers are guys who not that long ago we thought could be first round picks like John Minchie the third looked like a first round pick. Not that long ago, yeah. just Justin Ross. Yeah, what happened? Justin Ross, Jamison Williams happened, but uh, Justin Ross looks like a first-round pick until injuries hit. Like these are guys that are tier three. He looked like a first-round pick his freshman year. I mean, he just fell off the wagon once uh, 
you know, Trevor Lawrence kind of left, so. Well, I, and DJ Ugalagale is not nearly what we all thought he was going to be. He is not who we thought he was. We were. He is not who we yeah, thought comes, he was. Comes and uh, figure it out, man. But I, I'm just, I'm just saying. That's why I say wide receivers the deepest cut. That gap between tier one wide receivers yeah. and tier three wide receivers, I don't think there is a gap. Don't get me wrong. There's a difference between Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Drake London, then and Justin Ross and John Minchie the third, who are the two guys that I have in my tier three. But I don't think mm-hmm. that difference is as big as a difference between uh, any of the tackles that I listed and, let's say, I'm looking at our draft. Like, there wasn't a tackle taken in round two. Like, the next tackle that was taken after round one was in round three, and it was Daniel Falale, who, don't get me wrong, I like him, but it's just literally because he's six foot eight and 390 pounds. Like, the man is just... a big dude um yeah like that that gap is much more significant at those two positions than than i than say wide receiver but so you said you you wanted to change the question so i'll change the question you took an edge rusher at three who do you think will be the best edge rusher coming out of this class because jacksonville's in a position where they need an edge rusher they have the first overall pick they get the first pick of the bunch Seems like Hutchinson's probably going to be the first pick. Will he, in your opinion, be the best edge rusher in this draft class? I think he's the most ready. I think he'll be the best rookie edge rusher. Um, I think Kayvon Thibodeau might have the best um, physical upside. Yeah. No, physical tools, I think, by far has to go Trayvon Walker. Um, just his combine alone was just insane. Yeah. Um, if he can if he can master the pass rush, because he's a, he's a decent pass rusher, right? But they moved him everywhere. They moved him outside to inside, dropped him back some in coverage. Like, if he can master the pass rush, I think he has the best chance by far to be, you know, the greatest of those three at least. So, um, the but thi- it's all about it's all about where he goes to, um, and you know how he's coached. So the thing that worries me about, and this is not, again, those that those that listen to my podcast know I'm a Georgia Tech fan, so I'm not mm-hmm. I'm obviously not a UGA guy, but so this isn't a, a hating on UGA thing. What worries me about these University of Georgia prospects isn't that they're not good. Because trust me, if Atlanta gets any of them, I will be ecstatic. But part of me wonders if it is a each of these guys is dominant or collectively they were dominant. Um, Like was Trayvon... Yeah, I never thought about that. (laughs) Like was Trayvon Walker and Jordan Davis, were they both so good... Because they played together, or were they both just that good? Was Nicobe Dean as good as as his tape says he is, or was it because Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker were in front of him? It, that that's my you know worry crazy? about these Georgia guys. Georgia has, Georgia has four. So you got Nicobe Dean, Quay Walker, 
what was the other linebacker? I know there's Channing Tindall. And is there another one? But like like you said, they're they were so collective as a group, but there's like they have Channing Tindall. I know I drafted him. I believe I drafted him with my round three. My round no was it round three? Yeah, um, three so Channing Tindall. Yeah, I drafted him with pick eighty, right? And I only drafted him on pick 80 because I heard really good things about him. And he sat behind Kobe Dean and Quay Walker, who are probably – I heard that Kobe Dean might drop to a second or late first, but, I mean, it's, he's a linebacker, so whatever. Um, but <clears throat> I only took Channing Tindall because he played on such a good team and he still had an impact as the third – linebacker and if he was on any other you know sec team or big 12 big 10 whatever team he probably would have been the star linebacker had more tape and it might have been a first round pick as well like they have so much talent down south at georgia Bama, you know these sec schools that like like i said in the in the draft that these guys don't really see the field like until they're, you know, a redshirt junior or maybe redshirt sophomore, maybe even just a senior, you know, and right. that's when they get to shine, you know, <clears throat> and stick it out. Um, so the whole them being good as a collective group is very interesting because um, they were arguably one of the best college uh, college defenses like ever. Of all time. Um, and you're, and you're going to have – what you're gonna have Trayvon Walker, Jordan Davis, um, Jermaine Johnson came from Georgia, if I believe, right? Uh, he transferred um, to Florida State, but he was at Georgia. Yeah, yeah, but he was at Georgia, so that's that's three right there. Then you got Devontae, Devontae Wyatt, Wyatt Nakobe Dean, Quay Walker, Sign, uh, who? Lewis. Oh yeah, Lewis Sign. Um, who was one of their corners? They had a corner. Darion Kennard? Is that it? Is it Kennard? Uh, Darion Kendrick. And Kendrick. He transferred from he transferred from Clemson though. Um, yeah, so they were they were they had some talent. So that's very interesting to think about if they were just really good as a collective group. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, if that's the case, if everybody thought that, I mean, nobody would draft the players, right? Because they just been <laughs> dominated forever, right? Right. Uh, one of the more interesting things to look for on draft night is is David Ojabo, um, who unfortunately tears his Achilles at his pro day. I said this last week. I think one of those teams, like it went, and I haven't released my mock draft for all 32 first-round picks, but spoiler alert, I have Kansas City taking him at either 29 or 30 because I think with the first-round picks getting that fifth year versus every other rookie contract is four years, I think you can you get that fifth year that quote can be a quote-unquote red shirt while Ojabo recovers from his Achilles. Do you think Ojabo is worth drafting in the first round based on his potential talent if he can come back from his Achilles? Or do you think he does end up slipping into the second round? 
Um, it's hard to say if Kansas City stays at 29 and 30. I think what they'd be one of the perfect teams to take them um, just because they're already a good team. They can get that fifth year. And if he pans out, they got a really good edge rusher, right? Um, Detroit at 32 could be one of them. Uh, maybe uh, one of these second-round um, teams tries to jump back in there um, and grab them in the first. So I, I think – Maybe Seattle. Seattle has 40 and 41. I'd be interesting to see if they yeah, pair those the Jets up. got four in the top 38. Yeah. Well, the Jets, one of them. So, in my mock drafts, like we talked about in the beginning, I was, I think I did one like maybe an hour or two before we started. I think I drafted, I drafted Thibodeau, I think at three, and then it was Trayvon or uh, Jameson Williams at 13. And then at 37, I got, no, 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 because I went icky, I went icky, and then I went Jameson Williams, and I ended up sneaking in and getting Ojabo at 37. And I was hoping that that was going to happen in this draft um, from practice. But, you know, with users, you know, people know who these guys are. So The Jets took him. The Jets took him at 35. Jets took him two picks before me. So um, I probably wouldn't have taken him anyway in our draft um, at 37 because, like, I did at three. I got uh, Trayvon Walker. I ended up going safety at 37. uh, Jalen Petrie. Yeah, so – um, I liked my draft. Um, I definitely want to do another one because I probably have a completely different mindset on the people that I want to draft for the Texans or I want them to draft um, just based on talent alone. Um, I wouldn't mind if they went edge rusher at three, um, but I think I I took Charles Cross at 13 and um, – I think at that point he might have been best player available um, at a position of need for me, but I think I think I would switch it up. I thought uh, at thirteen I, for sure. I really did think you were going to take both Georgia linemen when thirteen came up. I thought Jordan you were going to take Jordan Davis and pair him back up yeah. with um, just with Lovey Smith's three four, and it being yeah. Georgia ran that three four front. Um, and Jordan Davis yeah. has Vince Wilfork written all over him. Like, that's who he reminds me of. Yeah. Uh, he's a well, fast Lovey, Vince Wilfork. Lovey, Lovey, I don't think he'll ever switch to 3 4. He runs up 4 3 tackle 2. So, Jordan Davis, I guess he does fit that. Um, but I think, I think it all starts with edge. I think a position in need for like Lovey's defense goes like edge, corner. Uh, linebacker and safety, and then they kind of worry about the inside because they want to get pressure on the quarterback and, uh, you know, just have some cover two safeties back there and let the linebackers. We need athletic linebackers. So, I mean, if Nicobe Dean was, you know, or Devin Lloyd at 13 would be really nice for us, just a fast, rangy linebacker or somebody. I took Uh, Dean at 18. I took Nicobe Dean at 18. Uh, yeah, um, but again, like you so, said, it it could be everybody's draft could be different. Uh, I, was yeah, the, I was talking to the I was talking to the I was talking to the Colts guy, and he's like, mm-hmm. 
they just signed Gilmore. We were talking back and forth. And he, he was like, well, they just signed Gilmore, so my third-round pick is now obsolete because he took a corner in round three. Uh, he's like, I'm definitely not going to do that again. So, interesting, interesting. Um, couple yeah, more saw, questions. I seen one. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you're good. Go I ahead. I was man. gonna say I seen one. They signed Stephon Gilmore. I quote tweeted it and said, "Uh, I'm all to stop him," and posted a picture of Davis Mills. <laughs> <laughs> you are Davis Mills' biggest fan. I personally, it's gonna it's gonna work out. It's gonna be the greatest pick in Texans history if he works out. Especially after the Watson trade, we had no first round picks. It's Nick, Nick Casario's first wait, pick. Wait, 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 wait. The GM of the Texans. Wait, so. wait, wait. You think Davis Mills is going to be the greatest pick in Texans history? He's going to be better than Watson, and better than. No, if, I said if if he works out right, if he oh, okay. if he works out, if he becomes that franchise guy, I would say he's up there. He'd be up there with like. Andre Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, um, and Deshaun Watson hopefully will just be erased from Texans history. I noticed you didn't say David Carr. So That doesn't count. I mean, he was like, <laughs> you know, he was, that was the expansion team. None of those guys counted. I mean. I think David Carr gets a bad rap. I don't think he was. Yeah. I think he gets a bad rap. I also don't think it no. helps that his brother has been serviceable. No. Um, nobody would have. Nobody would have done well on that expansion team. Nobody. Nobody. Two, so. Uh, nobody. All right, couple more questions, man. I appreciate you uh, coming on. I'm, I got two more questions. Mm-hmm. I got two more questions that I have planned. Your answers could lead me to go off the rails because that happens a lot. Um, I do it too. Position that everybody talks about. Position that everybody talks about is quarterback. Everyone's saying that this is a weak quarterback class. Who is your favorite quarterback in this draft class? Um, I guess and why? I guess that's that's important. Why is that person the guy you put it at the top? I didn't. I didn't really watch a lot of these. I mean, I watched some college football. I'm a Longhorn fan, so. Um, I kind of stick to watching them and games. So I didn't really watch any of the quarterbacks all that well. I think I saw Kenny Pickett in one of the um, championship games or something. I've seen. I think I saw. I watched the Malik Lewis and Matt Corral game, and obviously Desmond Ritter in the playoffs. I would have to say though, um, my favorite quarterback. It's tough. Um, I, I'm a I'm a big I'm a Corral and Ritter guy. I, I think I like yeah, both of those I, guys. I like I Malik say, Willis. I, don't get me wrong. I like Malik Willis. I like Malik Willis's ceiling. But if I need to like Malik Willis is going to need one maybe two years coming from Liberty. Like he's not pro ready, and and I know we've seen quarterbacks come from the FCS ranks and come up and play. Like, Carson Wentz did it. I get that. Malik Willis is not... Not a good comparison. Not a good comparison. Like, Carson Wentz ran a pro-style offense and then went to the perfect situation. Malik Willis is just raw talent. Like, kid's got athleticism for days. He's got amazing throw power. But I think... And I understand the Corral and Lane Kiffin offense deal. 
I really like yeah. Desmond Ritter, but I just think those two guys can come in and can play right now and can give you leadership, like which is what you need from yeah. that quarterback position. I think I'd have to say it'd probably be Desmond Ritter. He just – he proved a lot. I know he got beat up in the Bama game, but, you know, he showed some toughness. And, uh, I mean, he got them there, so um, he'd probably be my favorite quarterback in there. I think Malik Willis is a close second. Um, Corral, he's just that cool guy, I guess. I don't know. Um, if I could ask, though, I don't get the comparison of Malik Willis coming from, like, a FCS school when Trey Lance – got traded up to get taken or the Niners traded up to take him at number three. Right. But Trey, so, Lance, Trey Lance is a, a better comparison to Malik Willis than, than pretty yeah, much. That's any what I'm player. saying though. Yeah. So if, if Trey Lance can go at three in that all time, you know, rookie quarterback class, why can't Malik Willis go at two, you know, or go at six, how we went in our draft, you know, um, I don't, I don't get it. Like, oh, if why Atlanta, is this quarterback class so bad compared to last year's? If Atlanta takes Malik Willis at eight, I'm not going to be like throwing things because I'm so mad that Atlanta took Malik Willis at eight. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to be so terribly horribly upset. I'm, I don't think there's a gap, a big gap between all five of those quarterbacks. Like, the guy that I li- I'd like the least is Kenny Pickett. Like, I don't understand the enamoration. That's not even a word, but people are enamored with Kenny Pickett. I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't see it. And I'm a Georgia Tech guy, so I watched ACC football. I I don't see it with Kenny Pickett. Um, but other than that, like, I, I like Sam Howell more than I like Kenny Pickett. I like... I like, like I said, I like Malik Willis upside. Do I like Malik Willis as a day one starter? N- no, I don't see it. I don't yeah, see that no. happening. Unless you're in a now, if you're willing to change your offense, a la Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, then maybe that will work. If you're if you're willing to change your offense to that style of offense. A RPO yeah. read option type offense, then I can see it. Then I can see that a run heavy, like that. I think that's what you're going to need from Malik Willis for the first couple of years while he learns how to read a, an NFL defense. Um, because yeah, Malik I Willis right now is one read and go. Like he's one read and read and yeah. run. That's what he is. Even at Liberty, he was that. He was one read and take off. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, th- I think. Um... It's hard to know when to take a quarterback. I don't think Atlanta's ready. I don't think Seattle's ready. Um, Like, I think the Lions could take a shot. Um, You know, maybe. I think Carolina's probably the the only team, like, in this, or Washington, even. I don't don't know why people aren't mocking quarterbacks to Washington. Why is Carson Wentz, like, the end-all, be-all? I think it's more. He's not good. It's the amount of money he's getting paid. Um, yeah, but I mean, you can. He has two years left. But I do. You I, got this year, next year, just cut him. I mean, somebody, if, if somebody else will take him, trust me. No, somebody I agree with you. I, I think, I think Washington. If Washington had a, I, I said this when Brady was at two years ago when Brady won his championship with Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. 
I told a lot of people, I said, if Washington had a quarterback, that was the best team in football. That defense yeah. is dominant. And it still yes. is. If they yeah, had a quarterback. Washington's defense or Carolina's defense, what, like the first six games of last season? Like, they're both really young and good. I would take so. Was- I would take Washington's defense just for their ability to get to quarterback. Like Chase Young and Montez Sweat coming off the edges, but then you still got those two you got Payne and Allen in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like they can send four. Legitimately they can send just four and get to the quarterback. They don't have to blitz to get yeah. to the quarterback. If they had a, a QB because if you think about it, on the offensive side, they have Antonio Gibson who's a three down back. He can run the ball, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. They have Terry McLaurin. They have Curtis Samuel. Like, they're literally a quarterback away from being an NFC favorite. So I get it. I don't know why they're not mocking quarterbacks to Washington. I I, I also don't understand why they traded for Carson Wentz. Like, I think, I think the Colts got better by getting rid of Carson Wentz and trading for Matt Ryan. I think the Colts got better in that situation. Um. But anyway, man, last question. I'm going to let you get off here again. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I know. We keep going on rants. Who is your uh, – I asked this to the guys last. Who's your sleeper pick? You got a sleeper in this draft, a guy that that's not going to get drafted early or that's not getting talked about, that you're just like, this guy's going to be um, This guy's going to be good? If we had another round in our pick, my next guy was going to be – um, I'll give you two, actually, and they're both corners. So, Marcus Jones, I believe he went um, in the third round. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Because I was going to take him, and then he got taken, I believe. Um, I have to go look. Anyway, he's a quarter, corner out of Houston. Um, he's kind of on the smaller side, but he's a ball hawk, man. He had, like, six. Oh, he went to Minnesota at 77 in the draft. Um, he had... Six or nine um, kick returns for touchdowns, a bunch of pick sixes. Like, he's just an all-around ball hawk on the defense and in special teams. But there's another corner by the name of Zion McCollum. Um, number one relative athletic um, score out of, like, 1,977 um, ever. He's number one. 10 out of 10. So I know athletic scores don't always translate, but that guy, I haven't heard him be be talked about. He's a corner from Sam Houston, um, and he's a baller. We're talking corners. My favorite corner. My my favorite sleeper. I've already said. Sauce Gardner is my favorite corner. I have Sauce Gardner, Mm -hmm. and I have Derek Stingley, like, one, two, and then I think there's a drop-off where you will find Andrew Booth. But... Um, yeah. who ironically is who I took at 15. Um, but my favorite, like, sleeper, not talked about corner, even though in our draft he went in the second round, um, Tariq Woolen from UTSA, mm-hmm. like yeah. 6'4, 205, and ran a 428 or something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that. Like, he's a 6'4 man corner. Like, <laughs> Who's also 200 pounds. Like, he's not a tall, skinny guy. He's a tall... 
He he's like a, a a he's like a DK Metcalf, but at corner, <laughs> with four three speed at that size. Uh, I think if if he gets coached up in the right way, uh, I'm looking back at our draft. Of course, I I said he's like DK Metcalf on the defensive side, and the Seahawks took him in our user yeah. mock. Um, yeah. so I'm gonna call him six four one ninety. So he's a, he's a big guy too and super athletic. I think he ran in the four threes, maybe four fours. I gotta go look that guy. Well. I gotta go look him up. I gotta go look yeah. that guy up. Sam Houston, you said? I'm gonna go look him up. Yes. Yeah, next Houston's week, next team. week, I'm gonna so. talk about how that guy's my favorite, and I'm gonna take all the credit yeah. for it. I'm gonna be like, hey, yeah. anybody? Uh, <laughs> if you didn't listen yeah. last week, I talked about how this kid from Sam Houston State is a stud. No. Yeah. Um, but anyway, man, yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you coming up with the idea. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to the next one. one. I want to I wanna evolve it a little bit and get another one going, try to make it annually, um, mix it up, do like one round with trades, two round with trades. Maybe we just switch it up and do different teams and shit like that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, um, absolutely. Love to have you back on there. Hey, appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, I, it was it was absolute absolute blast, um, and I appreciate you coming on. Uh, for those that don't that that have Twitter, you know, follow him. He's at Rocket PWR, which was a great show. Rocket Power, by the way, great show. Growing up, loved it. Great show. Rocket PWR, and then the number one. I guess somebody else had maybe the TV show Rocket Power had Rocket PWR, and therefore he had to add a number. I don't know. Um, but he's Mills Mafia. Um, if any of you that listen know David Mills, please get these two guys in contact with one another. Um, <laughs> they deserve to be best friends. <laughs> but Brandon, I, I, pre- I appreciate you coming on, man. You have a great night. Um, yeah, no problem, Dwayne. Thank hey, you, man, for no, having me. No See problem. You. See, oh man, yeah, that user mock, that user mock. I talked in depth about it last week. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Now, for you got detention, Bill Polian, you got detention. Bill Polian went out on his, I don't know if it was his podcast or another podcast. It wasn't my podcast. I wish it was mine so I could give him detention like to his face. Bill Polian came and said, Malik Willis is not a quarterback. Malik Willis isn't going to be able to play quarterback. I don't consider him a quarterback. Last time Bill Polian said that, turns out he was wrong. Said Lamar Jackson couldn't be a quarterback. Lamar Jackson should move to wide receiver. Lamar Jackson should consider not playing quarterback in the NFL. Turns out that was wrong. Malik Willis isn't Lamar Jackson. Don't get me wrong. But their playing styles are similar. So, like, by Bill Polian saying that Malik Willis needs to switch positions and he can't consider him a quarterback, maybe that's the stamp of approval for Malik Willis being the best quarterback in this draft. Who knows? Bill Polian, you got detention because I don't think you should be the guy talking about these athletic quarterbacks, whether they need to switch positions or not, because you are wrong. 
Maybe it's time we stop listening to Bill Polian as the quarterback guru. The man drafted Peyton Manning. Everyone in the world, except for Marlon, close your ears, except for the Chargers, knew that Peyton Manning was going to be the truth. So, Bill Polian, you telling these athletic quarterbacks I need to switch positions? Didn't work out so well for you last time. If I'm wrong, I will come on here and admit that I'm wrong, but I got a feeling that I'm not. Bill Polian, you got detention. Well, that's all I got for today. Um, I had a blast. Thanks to Brandon for coming on. Um, shout out Effortless Entertainment. They gave me the microphone right here, fixed a lot of my audio issues. Takar Realties, if you are planning a vacation to Sunset Beach, Calabash, Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle Beach, look those guys up on Airbnb, VRBO. Um, condos that you can rent uh, with multiple bedrooms beautifully furnished enjoy your vacation um, in a luxurious way so shout out to those I shout out to Marlon versus Marlon they're the reasons I do what I do and shout out to you guys for listening if you want to come on the show reach out to me at sports school pod uh, on Twitter comment on the videos on YouTube as long as you like and subscribe first I'm all for it if you want to listen to me debate with me tell me I'm wrong argue with me, even agree with me, I welcome you to do so. So reach out to me and I'll get you on. Y'all have a, thanks for listening. Have a great day, great afternoon, great night, wherever it is that you're listening.